we come to an area that sometimes this area becomes an, uh, uh, a little controversial because we get a little, the word I wrote in my notes is we get a little squirrely about this. And you're going, what do you mean squirrely? Well, we get weird about this stuff. Um, and I think it's because, much like possessions, it's an area that's very personal to us uh, because it's, it's wrapped up in a lot of habits. It's wrapped up in a lot of traditions. It's wrapped up in a lot of, well, this is how we've done it and how I've done it and how I'm comfortable doing it. And you're probably thinking, what are we talking about? Well, you already know we're talking about worship. And, and to put it bluntly, we all have a set of personal preferences. This is what worship looks like. In your mind, you've got an image of what it should be like. And it may be what we've done in this church all your life, and it may be what you've experienced in other churches and other places over time. It may be what you maybe have seen on TV or gone in different env- environments and you've in- encountered. Uh, and, you know, over the years, a lot of people have tried to define worship, and I- I'm not sure it's even possible, though I'm going to give it a shot here in a minute. John MacArthur defines it this way. Worship is our innermost being responding with praise for all that God is through our attitudes, actions, thoughts, and words, based on the truth of God as he's revealed himself. That's one definition. How about this one? Worship, by the way, is not music. Worship is loving God. Worship is honoring God. Worship is knowing God for who he is, adoring him, obeying him, proclaiming him as a way of life. Music is one way we express that adoration. I'm going to give you my attempt at a definition. You ready? This is quoting, quoting Patrick. Worship is the overflow of my personal relationship with God, with the God of the Bible, expressed in private and corporate settings. And worship is done in spirit and truth, showing my love for and devotion to God. In today's passage, we're going to drop into a story that you're probably familiar with. It's set at Jacob's Well. Uh, if you were to travel to the Middle East today, it's up in a part of the country that you rarely get to go to anymore because it's in the Palestinian-controlled territory. But there's a place there where there's a well that was dug. It's a place where Jacob encountered a staircase or a ladder, if you remember the story, uh, when he was going to find a wife and that encounter there. And, and, and he encounters, Jesus encounters at this well a woman who has been married five times, and she's living with a guy who is not her own is how the text talks about it. We're not going to focus on that part of the story because that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking today about worship. And you're going, how does this fit in? It's part of the conversation. She talks up and she brought up, she said, well, the Jews worship down at Jerusalem and we worship here in Samaria. And as part of the conversation, what Jesus does is he leads her to understand what genuine, the essence of worship is. So let's just jump into the outline for sake of time. But, But I want you to say, first of all, that authentic worship is not limited. Look at verse 21. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Now, you need to understand a little bit about this woman. She was probably a fairly religious woman. She was part of a group of people that were considered less than to the Jewish people. They were considered outcasts because their bloodline had been uh, mixed after the northern kingdom, excuse me, the southern kingdom fell. And so they ended up with a situation where they were not fully Jewish anymore, but they weren't fully secular anymore. They weren't this anymore. And they were, and they were living there, but they were still religious and they still considered them part of 
Jacob's lineage. So they still thought of themselves in the right way. And, and, and she has gone to the well at midday because she wants to avoid, honestly, anybody. The hottest part of the day is to go to the well at midday. But if you are a woman who has been married five times and is living with another guy, you really don't want to talk and be around the other women in town, not because they were bad, but because... Just like men, they love to talk and they love to have side conversations and they go, oh, that's her. So she braves the heat in the middle of the day and guess who she encounters? Jesus. Finding a lone woman, a man at the well and a lone Jewish man on top of that was not her idea of a good day. And her joy, choice that day would have been to avoid everybody. And yet Jesus talked to her and said, Could you get me a drink of water? She didn't want to talk, much less give water. And after a series of back and forth conversations between the two of them, she comes to a conclusion about Jesus that was actually pretty accurate. She says, I think you are a prophet. She says, but, but we're not the same. We're different. You're, you're Jewish and I'm Samaritan. You worship down there and we worship here. You do things there and we do things here. And we don't interact because we just don't interact. Jesus does something radical here. He comes and says, there's coming a day, an hour is coming when neither on this mountain, Samaritan, Samaria, nor in Jerusalem will you worship The Father, what he, I think, is doing is helping her and then by extension us to understand that worship is never, ever, ever supposed to be limited. It's not limited to this location. It's not limited to the camp experience that we sometimes have in the summer with children and with youth. It's not limited to a revival service. It's not limited to something else. It is something that's bigger than an event and a place. He says to this woman, there's coming a time when worship will not be limited to a location, not limited to a time, limited to a moment. Rather, authentic worship will flow from the heart of the believer. It comes out of us. His big idea is instead of worship being about where you are, what you do, or even who's around, it will be about the object of worship instead of the peripherals of worship. And the object of worship is none other than who? Jesus. We need to catch that. Ultimately, worship begins in the heart of a a follower of Jesus, and then it flows upward to our holy God. And that can happen in this place, and it can happen outside of this place. It can happen in special events. It can happen in mundane events. It can happen where you are, and then sometimes it happens where you aren't. Authentic worship is not limited. But authentic worship is also, look at this, Jesus' focus. Look at verse 22. You worship what you don't know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. Now, interestingly, he speaks in third person here and he refers to himself as the focus of worship. And you're going, I don't quite see that. Hang in there with me. He tells the Samaritan woman, her people worship what they don't know. What had happened? They have corrupted worship. When, when the nation split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom decided they would not go back to Jerusalem and worship any longer. And they said, we'll do it here. They created their own system, their own place of worship. And it happened right there near Jacob's well. But it became corrupted. They began to pull in pagan worship practices. They began to pull in human sacrifice, infant sacrifice. They began to pull in perversions that messed up their worship in the moment. And it created a mess. But but listen, the Jews continued to worship 
At Jerusalem, you're going, so they had it right. Oh, no, my friends. They messed up too. They got hung up in ritual. They got hung up in the religion instead of the relationship. They too got off track like we do sometimes, don't they? They messed up. And he wants them to understand that the the proper focus of worship, the, the proper center of authentic worship is none other than himself. Now, can you imagine standing there if you were a woman who'd been married five times and were shacked up with a sixth and you're talking to a guy that says, here is who you worship. I'm right here. Kind of throw you off, wouldn't it? It would have thrown me off if I'd been there the day. Healthy churches place Jesus in the center of worship. And we do it, and they do it through the things they do and the activities they're involved in. But it's more than that. And they say worship is not going to, dis- worship is not going to separate us. It's going to draw us together. It's going to help us to come together in the presence of a holy God. So authentic worship is not worship. It's not limited. It's not, it's Jesus, excuse me, it's Jesus focused, but it's also God inspired. Look at the, Last half of verse 23, you're probably thinking, didn't you miss the first half? We'll come back to it. He says this, for the Father is seeking who? Such people to worship who? Him. It's centered on Jesus, but it's focused on and inspired by God. Third aspect of Jesus teaching this woman that we need to understand is that the Father is seeking those people who will come in obedience. Now, you know, sometimes I get off into the theological weeds, so bear with me just a half a second here. But, but the word that's translated seeking there is an interesting little word in the Greek. Most of us would think, oh, I'm seeking for my cell phone or I'm seeking for my keys. And that is accurate, but this word has got a a little different nuance to it that I want you to catch. It's the idea of getting to the bottom of the matter. You know, some people are good at just cutting to the chase, getting to the bottom of the matter, getting to the the essence of what we're talking about. He says this, the, the Father in heaven is wanting to get to the bottom of the matter because that's where worship really happens. God's heart's always been for his creation to worship him. All the way back in the garden, what did God create you and me to do? For fellowship? For relationship? Yes. But ultimately, we're designed for worship. Do you realize that every single person on planet Earth worships? You're going, huh? I did not say everyone worships God. I said everyone worships. You worship something. Worship is part of every world religion. Do you know that? If you're a Muslim, guess what you do on Friday? You go and do to a service they call what? Worship. If you're a Buddhist, you have a time in the week where you do what? Where you worship. If you're a Jehovah Witness, you go and worship. If you're a Mormon, you go and worship. Worship is endemic to everybody on planet. You say, what about the people who don't go to worship at a church or a religious organization? They still worship. Did you know this week in Kansas City, there was a big worship service up there. It was called the Big 12 Basketball Tournament. What? The people who went there took their resources and their lives and laid them out there and yelled and screamed and hollered. Is there anything wrong with that? As long as God doesn't get pushed aside, there's nothing wrong with it. But God is looking for people to come into the presence of him and to have passion about him and about centering our lives on him because all of us are going to worship. The question isn't, will we worship? It's, will we worship God? Many of these 
things we're talking about this becomes kind of a dichotomy in what we would call Christian worship. See, there's many people who say, well, it's about what we feel and what we want and the songs we like and the style of talking and speaking and scripture translations and all this that we like. I got to tell you, all of that stuff is secondary. All of that stuff is perfunctory, if you will. What's most important is what? Is that God is inspiring what we do. If I had more time today, I would share with you a story of a church that worshipped two different ways and they all got hung up on how they did worship. And they forgot who they were supposed to worship. They were more concerned about the form of worship than the focus of worship. There's forms of worship where we allow the elements to appeal to us and they run our decisions. Others, we focused on the liturgy. This is the way it's done for centuries. Let's keep doing that. But recall the description that Jesus had of the religious leaders. He said this, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Healthy churches say this, We will not become trapped into appealing to the emotion, and we're not going to get caught in rote ritual, and we're not going to get hung up on the form. And the, Instead, we're going to say, God, we want to come before you. We want to delight you. We want our lives to be focused on you. And that can happen in all kinds of forms of worship because the heart is there. And then I want you to see that Jesus said something not once, but twice. I've got to tell you, when Jesus speaks, we need to listen. When Jesus speaks twice, we better stop. Look at verse 23 and verse 25. I'm having a hard time with words today. I feel like Elma Fudd. All right. But we're not hunting wabbit. All right. I'm sorry, Paula. All right. Verse 23 says this, But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship. Here it is. You ready? Y'all sitting down? We'll worship how? In spirit and truth. And then he comes back in verse 24 and says, Did you hear me? God is spirit, and those who worship him must what? Worship in spirit and truth. And I go, oh, my goodness. When Jesus speaks, we ought to listen. When Jesus speaks twice, we better really pay some attention. Y'all with me? He says basically this, authentic worship is in spirit and what? And truth. Well, that was a tough one to fill in, wasn't it? It was already in the text twice. We should have caught that. Jesus made plain that a new day is coming, a new era is coming, when old ways of worship are going to pass away for those who really worship God. And he says it not once but twice. And the big idea was this. Those who really worship God are going to do it how? Come on, y'all. In spirit and in truth. What I find interesting is there's nothing in there about the style of worship, the time of worship, the translation we read from, whether there's a choir or a praise team, whether there's an organ or a band, none of that stuff's in here. It has nothing to do with it. It's about what our hearts are like. Some people say, well, I have a hard time worshiping up there. You know where the problem is? I'm on a meadow now. Hang on. The problem is it's us. Because when we come into worship, we should already be engaging with Holy God. We should already be relating to Him. We should already be ready to worship because we already are worshiping. He speaks about three aspects, I think, here. He says, God is still father of the Samaritans. Now, let's say with the text a second. He says, I want you to get this. God still loves those people who are not, haven't got it figured out yet. Samaritans are all off, off kilter. Y'all with me? They were all a mess. But he says, they still can worship me. Well, I find 
comfort in that, guys. When we get off kilter, he can take us. Father, God the Father has spiritual children, not just physical ones. He says, these are the ones who follow me in the Spirit. Ultimately, authentic worship is not done out of duty or formality, but it comes, listen, from the heart that's changed. If you really know holy God, you can't help but worship. And the peripherals just don't matter. It's not done out of duty. It's not out of formality. It's not done out of self-denial, but it's led, it leads us to obedience. Our worship flows not from some attempt to produce a feeling, but from a heart committed to God, resulting in a heart filled with praise and a life centered on God. Authentic worship is not found in the song selection, the passage in the message, or the, but in the individual heart turned to God. The most important thing you can do to come together as a church body and worship is to be worshiping all week, allowing God to fill your presence all week, fill your life all week. And when you roll in this place, you're ready to worship. Three quick things I want you to see, and I'll be done. Number one, worship rises within relationship. Authentic worship rises from the relationship we have with, the, with God through Jesus empowered by the Spirit. That means a number of things. But it, 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 but it means this. We have to have a relationship with God. How's your relationship with God? Real worship, passionate worship, is not something you can manufacture as you gather. Now, it helps if the music's on key, brother. And it helps if the sermon is somewhat coherent and the preacher has a clue where he's at. That happens occasionally around here. Because out of that, ultimately, authentic worship, though, flows from within our personal, intimate relationship with God. Often we come with the expectation that says this, well, the, the music wasn't any good. I couldn't get to worship today. And the preacher didn't understand him. I don't even like him. I don't even want to listen to him. But I can't worship because, listen, you got it wrong. If your worship is based on whether Chris and I show up and do an amazing job, you got something wrong. Worship is not about the people who lead it. It's about the God we worship. It's about Him being lifted up. It's about Him being glorified. It's about Him being magnified in the, in the moment we're here. If you think they got to lead me to it, boy, something's wrong. You go, well, I don't know if I like that. What I want you to see is this. Worship rises from, authentic worship rises from your relationship with God, not from the setting in which you find yourself. Several years ago, I, I had the privilege, before I ever came to be your pastor, to take a group into San Miguel de Allende in Mexico. You're going, what's, what's the town? And, and we were going to go worship that day, go to a worship service that day. And y'all know I don't speak Spanish. I, I act like I do, but I really don't. I mean, you, you lose me after two words. That's it. Okay. I mean, that's about it, okay? And, and they, they, they said, we're going to go worship, and then we're going to go visit the town and start our Bible distribution that afternoon. And so we went to this church. And you know, it's amazing, but in Mexico, they have worship services in Spanish. <laughs> Who knew, right? And the music was in Spanish. It's amazing, huh? The music sounded kind of for me, kind of like a polka is what it sounded like. But anyway, it, it was in Mexico. They were singing. They were, people were speaking. Can you believe that, Gary? They were speaking Spanish in Mexico. That's crazy. But there they are speaking Spanish. And i got to tell you, I had one of the best worship experiences of my life, not because I had a clue what was going on, but because I was ready to what? To worship. I was excited to be there. I was glad to be in the presence of God. And the translator in my ear, we couldn't get half the words right. I don't know what they were talking about, but wow, what a day. 
preacher wasn't leading me. The music wasn't taking me. The Holy Spirit had brought me. Y'all with me? That's how it works, is the relationship we have with God allows us then to come to worship. Let me remind, let me remind you of the words of the psalmist. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. When we come to God's house with that kind of attitude, we'll worship. Second, worship deepens as we mature. Second principle we need to understand is our reality, the reality is our worship will grow as we grow in Christ. As a new follower of, of Jesus, sometimes worship is kind of strange. We go, well, why did they do that? Why don't they do that? I've been to a service where they did this, but they didn't do that. Why don't they? Let me tell you what. It's not about the structure of the form and the activities. It, 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 it really shouldn't be. See, God created you and me for worship, and we're going to worship. Authentic worship deepens and widens as we grow in Christ. And as we allow God to lead us into that deeper relationship, we find worship taking on a greater place in our lives. You know, when I was a young man, I thought I knew how to worship. I'm still learning, still figuring it out. I don't really understand it. Why don't we, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? But all that stuff doesn't matter because it's all about a conscious choice that says, I'm going to live for holy God and I'm going to grow deeper with him. And that allow worship to grow deeper as I engage it. The church of Philippi struggled with this area in some areas. And Paul said this. He said, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, not according to Christ. They had to make a decision about how they would worship and how their lives would be shaped. So do we. You know, we only get one time around this life, you know. If you haven't noticed, we're all getting older. We're all starting to have hard hearing sometimes, you know. Huh? We're having trouble walking sometimes. David? We're struggling with stuff, right? And the opportunity to come into the presence of God, not just in a building like this, but on a regular basis. Healthy churches do not allow the style of music to become primary. They don't let the place of worship become overly dominant, but they let the relationship of God deepen them and widen them and become stronger in them and their worship becomes sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. You say, well, worship for me isn't all that great. I'm going to ask you not to look at the leaders in your worship experiences, but look into your heart. Because that's where worship begins as we grow closer. And then worship will ultimately lead us closer to God. The final aspect I want you to see is it does lead us closer to God. There's something special that happens when God's people gather. And we're talking about the corporate experience here. But these experiences, whether they're corporate or personal, they draw us into the presence of God. They bring us into a moment we experience the hand of God and we go, man, look at that. Healthy churches understand this. Worship is not about us. It's about God. We get it so out of whack sometimes. We get squirrely about it, don't we? But I want this, and I want this, and I want this. I gotta tell you, I'm really starting to notice that whenever I start saying I a lot, I'm probably way off base. Because it's not about me. Hebrews says this, and without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Healthy churches gather for worship, not to say, we did it, 
to check off the list, but we do it to engage with God. You go, well, I came because I need to check it off my list. That's a good start. But go beyond that. Go deeper than that. Get closer to that. We don't do it to gain His rewards. We do it so we can in the presence of Him. But how do you begin all this? It starts with a relationship with God. Some of you here this morning need to make that beginning point. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that. Some say, I need to connect to this church because this is where I want to worship. This is my heart. But I have not made a formal commitment. Maybe you need to do that. We want to give you an opportunity this morning to respond. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house to worship by singing, by praying, by looking at your word. We pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would just continue to guide us to be more like you. We pray for those who need to respond in some way today. We, God, God ask you to give them your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen.